Hey Zed Heads, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. This is The Walking Dead Cast, episode 92. This is a special edition. I've got writer Melody Beattie on again, and we had an awesome conversation. I felt like last time when she was on, um, it was it was great, but I didn't ask her, I listened to it again, I didn't ask her enough questions about the actual episode that she wrote. So this time I asked her all about some of the questions that we had about like Maggie and Glenn and what it's like to write the action scenes, uh, how much of that is in the script, you know, just uh, her insights into Daryl and Merle, which are two characters that she said she loves to write. And different things like that. And also a little bit about, you know, they're back in the writer's room for season four. So how that's going and just maybe a hint of what Walking Dead is going to be like in the next season. So it was a good talk and I think you guys are going to like it. Hey, hi, can you hear me? Yeah. Awesome. Cool. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I was just wondering how you balance um, doing writing with having a family. Oh my God, it's so hard. I don't think that, I don't know. Every day is a, di- every day is a different miracle to get through. I uh-huh. I think every, because every it's, I don't know how people do it. I don't. I mean, it seems like a lot of the writers in Hollywood, at least when they get started are kids who just throw themselves into it and they do it from morning to tonight. Mm-hmm. And so I can't imagine how you can manage that, but it's impressive. Well, I've been lucky and with the exception now of Scott Gimple, all of my bosses have been parents. Uh-huh. Okay. And so they're all, they're all very um, understanding, you know, that people want to get home, you know, and see their kids for dinner. And, you know, they, so I've been very lucky in that, in that. When respect. you started, did you, um, how, when did you start? You start uh, TV writing. Yeah. My first TV writing job was on Deadwood with David Milch. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> and my kids were like two and four years old, I think, at the time. Oh, my God. Or maybe three and five. No, they were like three and five. Like, they were babies. Uh-huh. It, was, it was so hard. How did, you, how did that come about? I, last time we talked, I didn't really ask you about how you got started. How did you get started? I got started, well... I, how I met David or how... Like, did you know you wanted to be a TV writer or did you kind no, of fall I didn't, into I it? No, I didn't have... I didn't um, plan on being a TV writer. I wanted to be a short story writer and a poet and a novelist and live in New York and that was what I wanted to do. Okay. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, That's funny because when people in, in Hollywood say that, I've heard that before and they kind of laugh. Um I think it's cool. I like, I mean, it's all, it's all good. Like when I, I, I went to school for writing and we kind of looked down uh-huh. at that time. I felt very pretentious. Oh, I would never write a script, but now there's such good TV on that. You really hit at those same human emotions that any literary fiction would, I think. Well, I definitely feel like this is the golden age of television and I'm a big fan of TV and, and defend TV as a medium and, and I, I love writing television, and I think it's a, such a, an exciting time to be a television writer. Yeah, totally, especially yeah. on cable TV like you are. Yeah. It's so cool. 
Yeah. So you already had kind of a background in writing short stories and things like that, and then you kind of fell not, into not really. I mean, I just had like aspirations, really. Okay. But um, but that's what I wanted to do. I worked at Interview Magazine in New York. Okay. I, I was an editorial assistant, mm. and um, and I moved to Los Angeles when I got pregnant with my first son when I was 22, mm-hmm. and. Shortly after I had him, I wrote a pilot, and um, it was sort of about my, whatever, it doesn't even matter. I wrote a pilot, and it got in the hands of a guy named Henry Brumell, who, are you a Homeland fan? Yeah, totally. So Henry Brumell is one of the executive producers and writers of Homeland, and he was sort of my first mentor, and and we worked together for a little while, and then um, Carolyn Strauss... Um, who is a friend of mine who's a producer and she at the time worked at HBO and introduced me to David Milch and then I worked for David Milch for the next few years. What was the and pilot? So I, I was, what was the pilot that I, that I wrote? It was like a spec. Yeah, it was, just a, it was just about a woman in LA with a baby that was not having an easy time being a mother and the relationship she had with her uh, Mexican nanny. It was sort of an upstairs, downstairs. It was stupid. It wasn't, I mean, it, was, it must have been good. It, it got you noticed, right? I don't know if it, I don't know if it was good, but I was very fortunate to have had those two guys mentor me. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Let's get into the actual episode. Uh, last time we talked, I, I feel like I didn't really ask you enough about the actual, like, episode and the characters and i mm-hmm. we, karen and i totally my co-host we just totally dug uh la- this week's episode so good job i'm glad you guys liked it <laughs> we totally did and um i liked it uh, for a lot of different reasons but it was very dynamic i thought i liked that there were um you know there was a lot of character development but there were also long scenes with no dialogue um, did you envision mm-hmm. that when you were when you were writing it? And I, I'm just curious, like during those action scenes, or uh, more about the action scene at the end, but also like with Rick, how much of that you beat out yourself, and or do you just kind of give general instructions and let them work it out on set, or what? Well, the action stuff is re- is really really well choreographed. That's all. You mean you mean how much of that is? Yeah, like what what do you how do you uh, how is that in the script? It's pretty well choreographed in the script. Okay, okay. And then usually what happens is you get there and you realize that you can't do what you want to do, and so you have to make adjustments and mm-hmm. make them. But but it's usually just just it's it's pretty well choreographed in the script. It's definitely one of my weaker. Um, my weaker points as a writer is is writing action, which this show has helped helped me improve greatly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought that was one of the better, one of the best action sequences of the series so far. Uh, I will say that Glenn Mazzara had a lot of influence on that action okay. sequence. Did I you... cannot take credit for how. <laughs> if I really, I I would, I wish I could, but I can't. Mm-hmm. You were there on set, though, huh? Mm-hmm. I covered it and was there for it, but he definitely was had a huge influence in the in the um, designing of it. Do you, uh, as 
things progress over the course of the year. You write your episode, they film it, and then they start editing. Are you involved? Do you see interim or, you know, just different scenes or do you just see it like whole at the end? I see the dailies and then I see the cuts as they come out. And um, on season three, Glenn was always very um, inviting. Uh, like I was, I was always allowed to give notes mm-hmm. on the cuts. Um, but that's sort of a every showrunner have, runs their post mm-hmm. situation differently. So Scott Gimple won't listen to you. I have no idea how Scott Kimple is going to do it. I have no. I, I would imagine he would. He's he's a good collaborator. Yeah, I, mean, so I, imagine, I imagine he would. Last time you, I think, had compliments for him. So hopefully it'll go well. Uh, I think he will. He's a, he's a good friend and a great writer. And yeah, so yeah, you guys, um, you're starting on season four now. We started. We are in our. We just started our um, f- fifth week in the writers' room. Uh-huh. And uh, wow! Yeah. So How's yeah, it? it's crazy. It's crazy to be. It's crazy to be thinking ahead and new stories. And it felt like we were living with season three for so long. It's such a interesting experience to be moving into season four. How's it going? I think it's going well. It's. I think it's going really, really well. It's. 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 It's really interesting. It's. You know. It's it's always like it's always sad. Like I always have a hard time on, on a new season of uh, as a fan of a show or right. Well, this is my first time working on a second season of a show, but mm-hmm. I always have such a hard time letting go of the of the past season. Like The Wire was a really hard show for me in that sense because every new season felt like a new show in a way. Mm-hmm. Did you watch The Wire? No, but I know I know how they kind of switched focus. And so. You know, just like switching gears and thinking about um, thinking about the fourth season has been. But I think Scott has a really, really strong, interesting vision, and and it's exciting to be able to be there and help. You know, help him execute it. Awesome. Yeah, I, but I he think... has a very strong vision. Awesome. That's so good to hear. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That's what we. Want and to I hear. think it, he has a vision that will. Uh, uh, you know, appeal to all the fans, to the non-comic book and the comic book fans. Nice. But yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, Walking Dead's been on three seasons and it has felt like, I mean, there's definitely a through line for sure, but it feels like each season has its own very distinctive feel. And so you're saying season four is going to kind of have that too, huh? It will definitely have its own feel for sure. Cool. I think people will. I think people will be really into it. I hope so. I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I am. I'm glad you're yeah. saying that. So <laughs> that's great. No, I do. I think people will be really into it. I think, I think, I think the diehard fans, and you know, we have so many different kinds of fans. We mm. have, I mean, we have the craziest fans ever. They love the show. The fans of the show are wild and amazing. And um, but I think, uh, I think they'll be happy. Yeah. Cool. I'm. It's been really exciting. It's been fun and exciting for me to. Um, to be working on it so nice. but it's different it's definitely different uh-huh. cool yeah i mean I, well, i'm in contact with the because you know our listeners are, are the kind of fans who are so excited that they want to listen to people talking about it for an extra hour after you know so right <laughs> okay so my favorite thing about this episode um i mean i loved 
the interaction with Daryl and Merle. But my favorite moment definitely was, it, and it was so sad, but Axel getting shot in the head. It was so sad. And I felt like you were leading us down this path of, uh, oh, there's, you know, okay, we're going to have some interaction or we're going to have some development there. And, uh-huh. I, you know, he was so charming. And I just really started to like him and right at the moment when you like him the most because he made a funny joke is when he gets it and it's so out of nowhere but the question I want to ask you about that is I also felt like in the episode that maybe you were hinting that maybe he can't be trusted was that intentional at all that who that Axel can't be trusted Yeah, because when Carol uh kind of was showing him how to load the gun and it was right after right. he admitted that he had actually lied about how, why he was in prison. Right. It was sort of like a little iffy, like, Oh, is he a liar? I don't feel like Axel was a liar. No, that wasn't. He's just a good guy. I do. I feel like Axel was a good guy. I feel like he maybe said some inappropriate things. Yeah. Creepy. But, <laughs> but, but I think he was a good guy. Yeah. Uh huh. And so, um, was it hard for you to let go of him or? It was, it was hard because I felt like, um, he, even though he was introduced in episode one in Glenn's episode, it was just a flash of him. And so I felt like in episode two, which I wrote that I really introduced his character. So I felt really sad that I was also killing his character (laughs) and, um, so yeah, so I was, and I think, I think everyone was sad to. They get really close down there, you know, the, the cats. The it seems cats like does. Lou, in particular, just from what little I've seen, is like a guy that you're going to warm up to. You know, he just seems like a really good guy. Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting guy. He's a smart a smart guy and fun and and brings a lot to the job. And we were lucky to have him. This is our favorite clip from him. How old are you anyway? Seventeen. Seventeen. Interesting. <laughs> I always play that. So creepy. <laughs> so, uh, let's... I didn't think that did a lot to protect our Axel character. Oh yeah. 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 But I mean, <laughs> I thought that we, I, I thought we were going to be asking the audience to forgive maybe a little too much with that, but they did. They forgave it. it yeah. It was, uh, how, yeah, it was like, man, that is so creepy. And Carol, uh, was obviously not interested, but I think you guys did a great job of, um, just slowly over the next couple or three episodes building it so that I believed that now that Daryl was gone, that Carol might go for this guy. And in uh-huh. especially the episode you just wrote, it seemed like he was totally going to redeem himself. Uh-huh. So, and then bam. <laughs> oh, well. Um, so now let's get on to Merle and, and Daryl. So this is where I wanted to bring up. Uh, I didn't know this last time I interviewed you, but uh, your mom is Melody. You say your last name, Beattie? Yeah, Beattie. Beattie. She wrote The Language of Letting Go, which is uh, she's Good. an icon in the world of co- like codependence and getting past addictions and unhealthy patterns. She is. And so when I thought about that, I was like, uh, oh, there's some of that in Walking Dead for sure between like Ed and Carol and most prominently lately, I think Daryl and Merle maybe have or have had a codependent relationship. Would you agree with that? I would totally agree with that. I think that I think that when Daryl chose to go with Merle in was it episode nine? Is that when is that when is that when he chose uh-huh, to yeah. yeah. Last week. Like I think that he didn't want to go. I think he wanted to stay 
but he put Merle's needs in front of his own. And, you know, I don't think he wanted to leave. I don't think he wanted to leave Rick. I think he found a new family and I, I really, and I think he knew that Merle was not where he was at anymore, but he went with Merle anyway. I think if I guess the diagnosis would be codependency and what, for sure. What happened between uh, the time that he decided to go with Merle and then your episode where he realizes to go back to jail? What, what was his process? You mean what? What? Why did he decide? What happened on that journey that he decided that the prison was where his home really was? Yeah. So what, what was going on in, in his mind? I think that um, he, they, you know, they went. There were a few scenes, and, and and I'm trying to remember back about how I'm trying to remember his emotional process in that episode. It seems like so long ago, but I I do know that. Um, after the display on the bridge when his, you know, when Merle wasn't going to um, help those people. Yeah. Uh-huh. That that was sort of the final straw for him. And he, you know, he wasn't going to stay with him anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think he could only, like, he tried to take it. He, you know, he, Merle antagonized him and antagonized him. And, um, but I think that was the final straw for him was that he, didn't want to be with uh he didn't want to be that he just couldn't that just wasn't who he was anymore yeah yeah i, I mean the, the sense i got is he probably knew that uh you know merle w- was his own worst enemy and everything but he didn't really feel how different they'd become and he had to kind of experience it to really get a sense of oh yeah this isn't going to work out mm-hmm. you know so yeah. he's, I mean, and I love, I mean, the best line was, um, can you guess what, what my favorite line is? I might be the one leaving. No, it's the one where, um, Merle said, damn near killed the Chinese kid. And Daryl said, Oh yeah. <laughs> and he said he's Korean. You know, I didn't even realize that that was a, a callback. throwback to a callback to, um, sorry, to season one. I didn't in, until AMC. Walking Dead AMC tweeted something about it. I didn't even realize that. I mean, it must have been somewhere in my in my subconscious that uh-huh. that had happened. But um, but that's funny. Yeah, we wrote that. I wrote that on the set. That that wasn't even in the script. Uh-huh. That was something we like came up with on the fly, real quick. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm surprised to hear that because uh, my very first thought was that's genius because <laughs> I remembered him saying it. Uh, he Daryl Kip calling him a Chinaman. <laughs> I wish that I had planned that out more. I think it was in your subconscious mind. It had to have been because mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. So. <laughs> and then, okay, this one more thing. Um, Matt, uh, Maggie and Glenn, I was having a little trouble understanding exactly what was going on between them. And I think maybe they're not sure, but one of our listeners wrote in and, and, I want to know if, if she's right. It says, seems to me Glenn is reacting based on, quote, I should have been there to protect you because you're weak and I'm your man, which further psychologically strips Maggie of her power and makes her more of a victim after already being made powerless and a victim by the governor. He's compounding the problem. He has a reason to be upset this happened to her, but on the same token, he's making her victimization all about him. Would you say that? I would, ag- I would agree with that. Okay. 
that's yeah that's pretty clear okay i I mean i was sort of like why are they fighting and i read this and i'm like yeah that seems right i also think that she feels a little bit like a little bit ashamed that she's having such a big reaction to what happened to her because so much is happening around her that she feels a little bit ashamed that she's making anything all about her. Okay. You know what I mean? Cause I don't think that Maggie's somebody who wants a lot of attention for, you know what I mean? She's the one to sit in the corner crying with people looking at her. And so I think that she feels like a little surprised maybe that, that she's as, as affected by what, what happened as she is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I like that scene when she gets mad at, at, um, at Glenn. I love that scene when she pushes him. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really intense when we rehearsed that scene because she just sort of did it and it was super intense. And, and I don't know if that intensity ever made it, you know, on the screen, but it was, it was really intense. Yeah. I think it was pretty intense. Did, how did you, when you saw the whole episode together, is it hard for you to um, take a step back and take it in as, you know, a viewer? Mm-hmm, I hate it. You don't like watching it? It's so hard for, it's just so hard for me. It, uh, the whole show or just the ones that you wrote? Just the ones that I wrote. It's so easy. To, it's so, it's so easy when I have nothing to do with it. I got to go, I got to cover an episode that I didn't write. Uh-huh. I, uh, sorry, episode, episode 13, I went down to produce and, it was so easy to do uh-huh. because I had no shame and hate attached to anything. I was just like, <laughs> this is, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, I, I really can't see it. There's, um, there, you know, Andy Lincoln doesn't watch the show. He's said I that he doesn't understand. watch the show and he doesn't watch the show. And I do understand why he doesn't watch the show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not because of the show. It's because of it's, yeah, I would. I I don't. It's. I think it's. A, it's a. It's a challenging experience. It's really interesting because someone who like so appreciates it and hears someone say that you're like what? But uh, I I understand. I mean, Karen. This is like not on the same level at all. But Karen, my co, she never listens to our podcast. She hates hearing herself. And- oh, I told. Of course, I would never. I I've never. I I totally understand that. Are you going to listen to this one? No, and I didn't listen to the last one. <laughs> you were good. I would never. I would never listen to it. I couldn't do it. You wrote, and you're like, do I sound like a total idiot? <laughs> but we got a lot of compliments on that episode. Well, <clears throat> I won't be listening to this one either, so. <laughs> okay. I'll growl like a zombie, though, if you want. Okay, that's coming up. Just a second. Um, okay, let's see. What else did I want to know? Oh, yeah. Did Glenn, did Glenn not believe Maggie? I'm not, I think that I think that he wanted to believe her. I think there was a part of him that didn't totally believe her, mm-hmm. but but ultimately, yes, he did. Okay, so maybe just a shade of wondering yeah. if she's protecting him from or something like that. But mostly, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Because well, she would. I think she would protect him. Um. All right. Well, just again, thanks for writing such a great episode. You don't have any more this season, huh? I don't have any more of this season now. I that, don't. That you wrote. And do you know next season how many, like, do we know how many episodes there will be in this season? There will be at least 16 next season. Okay. And you'll write a couple? 
I will write a couple. Cool. I'm, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm already working. I'm already working on my first one. Awesome. In a preliminary way, but yeah. Where uh, th- I just have one more question for you. So the you know the whole like pain of seeing your episode on the screen, you don't want to see it. So where does the joy come in? You mean of the job? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I, f- I I think I have. I feel good when um, the script is done. Mm-hmm. Is when I feel good and. Um, there's always a joy. There's a joy attached to, attached to, you know, to all of it. And I just, it's just not in watching the episode it's just on television, <laughs> but there's, I have a joy attached to all of it. I, mm-hmm. especially the, you know, finishing the script and, and, um, you know, I'm very proud of the season and you should, there's a lot of, it was a, it was a, there were, it was a wild, wild year, but, mm-hmm. um, but I'm very proud of it. And yeah, you know. it's like, uh, there's so much like mystery for all of us about what's going on, but do you, I mean, there's uh, what, four, uh, let's see, six more episodes, right? So are, mm-hmm. I, I can't ask you, I don't even know what to ask you about that, but do you have anything to say about like what's coming up this season? I just I, n- no <laughs> no. <laughs> Not just really. Have to watch, huh? Just watch. No, I think. I mean, I think it's a really satisfying season and a satisfying ending. And um, good. And you know, I I don't know what else to say. Okay. I mean, I'm so we're so happy with the way it's gone so far. So. It just, yeah, we're, we're loving it. So, um, uh, and I mean that, I mean, we had some problems with how season two went and we thought it picked up at the end and just uh, mm-hmm. season three has just been totally awesome and made us happy. We're doing this podcast. So, so. Oh, stoked. good. I'm glad. Yeah. Who so, wrote the next episode? Um, uh, I know Nicotero's directing. This is where it gets confusing because we shot a little bit out of order. I think it's Um, Angela King. Angela King, right. Yeah, Angela did. Has Angela ever been on your podcast? No, I um, tweeted her, but she didn't tweet back. She has a little baby at home, so... Uh, I'll try one. But, um, I'll try again. But she's really nice. But I'll I'll bring it up at work today. Oh, that'd be great. And then she's really nice. She's great. Yeah, I heard her on the um, Nerdist, and she sounded great. I, I went back and listened to... Scott Gimple and Mazzara and her just so I could try to get more of a beat on Scott now that he's the Mm -hmm. showrunner. But, um, okay. So can we, let's do a satisfying ending to, uh, to this episode. Oh, okay. You said you've been practicing, right? No, but I really, I, I didn't, I, but you did tell me that I didn't have to actually do it. Yeah. But then you said that we couldn't talk about certain things. And so, Okay. Um, you know what? You don't have to do it. Actually, I'm a man of my word. Okay. You already you already have one. Yeah, I already have one. Yeah, it's great. Okay, good. So let's okay. not do one. Let's not do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye.